Hey, what's happening? How you doing? Did you eat? It's essential to life. Right up there with oxygen and water. Food. Welcome to your New Mexico government. I'm your host, Kalile Colonna. With the pandemic slowing society down, access to quality food is more important than ever. We talk with organizers who are working to get food to families, a grower about starting her own garden, a government official who's getting food out to our elders, and more. Perhaps you'll think differently about throwing away those leftovers after you finish listening. I mean, I like leftovers. First up, executive producer Marisa DeMarco has a news update of what we know today, Monday, April 27th, as of 5 p.m. Countries around the world are looking to ease their pandemic restrictions, even though the number of cases is still on the rise, Al Jazeera reports. Worldwide, more than 3 million people have caught the coronavirus and more than 200,000 have died. A reporter pointed out today during the White House coronavirus briefing that more Americans have died from COVID than during the whole Vietnam War. The U.S. lost less than 50,000 people during the 20 years of the war, and the death toll today, after a couple of months of the virus, is closing in on 57,000, according to data from Johns Hopkins University. In that same news briefing, President Trump said he was not going to move back the date of the election, as candidate Joe Biden speculated at a campaign event last week. Washington Post reporters have a story about how U.S. intelligence agencies put in their daily classified briefings in January and February repeated warnings about coronavirus. But they write the president routinely skips those briefings and is impatient even with spoken summaries, according to anonymous U.S. officials. The White House did release a plan for increasing testing so states can work on reopening. The Santa Fe City Council is voting on whether to furlough municipal employees starting May 6th to make up an $18 million budget shortfall coming before the end of the fiscal year in June, according to the Santa Fe Reporter. The death toll in New Mexico went past 100 today and stands at 104. The first fatality, the Albuquerque Journal reports, was 35 days ago in Artesia. Many of the people who've died were older folks with other medical conditions, but some people who were younger and who didn't have chronic conditions also died, some of them never having made it to a hospital. The Navajo Nation and 10 other tribes filed a lawsuit to demand that $8 billion approved by Congress for tribal communities wouldn't go to for-profit corporations. Today, a federal judge issued a preliminary injunction to stop the money from reaching the Alaska Native corporations, according to KOB. KOB also reports the ruling further delays the distribution of that money, which was set for Sunday. For your New Mexico government, I'm Marisa DeMarco. Here to break down what is happening with food situations. Who better than Sonia Warwick, spokesperson for Roadrunner Food Bank, to join me? Sonia, thanks for being with me today. Oh my gosh, thank you for having us on. We appreciate the opportunity to let people know what's going on. So what is going on with the Roadrunner Food Bank? Like any other business or any other organization, once the coronavirus pandemic kind of hit and it just meant a shift in all things in food bank world, really, you know, those first couple weeks were a little challenging because it meant we had to change how we prep food leaving our docks and going to communities across the state. It meant we needed to train our agencies downstream of us, you know, those food pantries and soup kitchens and group homes and possible schools, et cetera, et cetera, on how to do distribution differently with social distancing top of mind. And it meant also that a lot of the agencies that receive food from us all across the state were also deciding whether to stay open or close, even those first few days of the pandemic arriving to New Mexico. So 
we had agencies shutting down on us, which meant gaps of communities weren't going to be served. And so initially it meant the food bank needed to make sure, you know, that uh, we were working with those agencies on ways that we could hopefully keep them operational during this time. And then for those agencies that didn't feel comfortable to no fault of their own, you know, they lost volunteers through this process. They weren't sure they could honor those social distancing requirements. We had to step in and create distributions to help those communities in need. Were you all able to fill those gaps? We still are trying to plug those holes, if you will. You know, in the Albuquerque metro area, for example, two of our largest agencies just didn't feel like they could operate. And so it meant that we needed to create literally three drive-through mobile distributions almost within a week and a half of this all happening and, you know, uh, the stay-at-home orders coming into place. And so now every week we've been doing a Monday, Tuesday, and Friday distribution for West Side and Southeast Heights, people who are struggling with hunger, and they can attend that as often as they need to during these weeks. Talk to me about food donations. Are you all still accepting food donations from people? We are. You know, we encourage people to give in three ways right now. If you have the ability to donate funds, we're encouraging a monetary donation. And that's simply because we are having to source more food in more unique ways than we've ever had to before. And food costs are going up. So we're looking at prices that we paid even a month and a half ago that are very different today than they were in that time frame. We're also encouraging people to donate time. You know, we are listening is an essential business and we are allowed to recruit and accept volunteers. And then, of course, the third way we're encouraging people to get involved is to donate food. And I know that's a hard thing to part with right now for folks who are trying to honor that stay-at-home order and have groceries for two weeks. I get it. But if you have the ability to donate food, we could really use it right now. We have seen a tremendous hit in the donations we get from some of our retail partners and that's simply because all the panic buying has really impacted any of the those extras that would have been left for the food bank. So if you want to drop by a donation to us, you can bring it by 5840 Office Boulevard Northeast, Monday through Friday from 8 to 4 or on Saturday from 8 to 2. Talk to me about the importance of not only just having food, but having healthy food accessible to everyone in the community. Just like anyone else, people who are food insecure want to be able to provide a nutritious meal to their families. And one of the ways that we do that is by accessing produce, just like you and me. You know, we we need that well-balanced meal, people who are food insecure, to be productive members of our society. So making sure we're providing that nutritious food is very critical and very important. And it's something that I never thought I would say this, but things have kind of flip-flopped through this coronavirus because we all also struggle sometimes with getting produce, but literally we've had an influx of produce and that shelf-stable food has just not been there right now. So it's been an interesting dynamic. (laughs) See Sonia Warwick, spokesperson of the Roadrunner Food Bank. Thank you again for being with me today. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. And thank your listeners for taking the time to learn more about what's going on. We appreciate it. 
My next guest is Dolores Gonzalez. She is Policy and Planning Director for Aging and Long-Term Services Department for the great state of New Mexico. Dolores, good morning. Thanks for being with me. Good morning. Thank you for having me on this morning. So tell me, what have you all been up to? Well, one of our big projects that Aging and Long-Term Services Department is doing right now is we've developed a process to send boxes, food boxes, out to our seniors that are below the poverty line and also our adults with disabilities. What's that like? Tell me about the project. Well, first of all, we set up a distribution center of about six weeks ago, and that started over at the Robert F. Kennedy Charter School. Mm -hmm. And uh, we boxed about 2,000 boxes for Bernalillo County and then 2,000 boxes for the Navajo Nation and then another about 2,200 box for our tribes and pueblos. And we moved over to the St. Pius Catholic High School. Okay. And that's where we're at right now. We have a big job ahead of us. We've been there for about a month now. So right now we're working with 15 counties in the southern part of the state. And we're sending out probably about 20 pounds. And okay. this week we're actually, um, there are 40 pounds of food in those boxes. Wow. And we should be done with that probably by the end of the week. That sounds <clears throat> wonderful. That's a lot of work. Are you working with any other organizations to help get these boxes filled and shipped out? You know, all of this is uh, volunteers that are coming in to help us. I want to give a big shout out to the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. They have been with us since the inception of this. Mm -hmm. The New Mexico Baptist Disaster Release has helped us. Uh, The St. Pius uh, staff has been there to help. CYFD, MVD, DOH, GSD, these are all state agencies that have come to help us. And then, you know, just our team leaders, Barbara Romero, Angela Villal, Juan Sortis, Aspen, and Sonia, have been our main leaders to lead all of this and myself, and then also uh, Nicole Franklin. Without those volunteers, we could not do this. You know, we have approximately about 14,900 boxes to still give out to the north, northwest, eastern, and the southwest part of the state, mm-hmm. southwestern part of the state. So we'll be at St. Pius for probably another three to four weeks boxing food. Getting it to all four corners of the state. Now, let me ask you about the food and sanitation concerns. What steps are you all taking to make sure that the food has been cleaned properly? We take the social distancing and the cleansing extremely serious in our food distribution center. We have gloves. We have masks. We have sanitizers that we're using. And every day, those tables are cleaned down with some sort of sanitizer in the morning, during break, and the afternoon. Okay. How does it make you feel to be able to provide life-giving materials to people? You know, this has been the greatest blessing and project I've ever worked on. You know, we're actually making sure that our seniors are being fed. Our volunteers are excited about it. You know, we've been receiving messages and calls from seniors saying that they just are thrilled when they get this box. We can't thank everybody enough. I mean, we couldn't do this without our volunteers. And every day I say this to our volunteers, you are making a difference in one senior's life every time a box goes out. Wonderful work that you all are doing. Thank you again for being with me. She's Dolores Gonzalez, Policy and Planning Director for the Department of Aging and Long-Term Services. Thank you so much for having me today. 
My next guest is Vanessa Bowen. She is a mom, graphic designer, and DJ living in Albuquerque. She also started a garden this year. We're going to talk a little bit more about food security and taking care of your food needs yourself. Vanessa, thanks for being with me. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So tell me, did you garden much before this year? You know, I I fiddled around with gardening. I didn't actually have a garden. I just had like pots and would throw some seeds in and, you know, let it do its thing. But haven't really dedicated the time or the space into creating a garden. So this was like my first time. So what made you want to do it? What inspired you to create your own garden? Well, at first I was a little freaked out when COVID-19 was, you know, the news was rolling out. And of course, knowing that a lot of grocery stores were running low on products. So thinking about having some food security, I figured growing a garden would be the best idea. Yeah, that's a very smart idea. So what challenges have you had in getting your garden up and running or up and growing? But I don't want to use a bad pun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was actually like getting the knowledge of what is required of a garden. Of course, we live in New Mexico. So I was thinking about the challenges that our soil, what challenges that could bring. So basically, it was just doing research. Thankfully, a quick Google search, uh, the New Mexico State University has like great resources online. So they provide free papers for people to read and just kind of like gain some knowledge on how to maintain a garden in New Mexico. Talk to me about the independence of growing your own food. You're not relying on the corporate food supply where there's been COVID outbreaks in factories and that kind of thing. Talk to me about how do you feel about growing your own food? Well, it's kind of great. You know, in the back of my mind, I've learned about food sovereignty and how, you know, a little bit of pushback on the system is growing your own food and like being able to share it with your community. So that's just been like what I've wanted to do. And I kind of feel proud that the garden is going. We have our starters caring for it. And that in itself has brought some happiness and just knowing that we can make our own food. And, you know, it's not as as difficult as we tend to think because the not knowing part is kind of what prevents a lot of people from doing that. But as you learn, as you go along, it's exciting and exhilarating because then you, you know you can do it and it's great. Yeah. Something you look forward to every day. Does it bring you like a peace of mind during this time? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, because, you know, as I'm at home, I don't go out unless I really need to. So I have all this free time at home, but it's nice because it's taking me away from the outside world of what's going on and just knowing that I have something to do and it keeps me occupied. Gardening is like very zen. So I recommend it to anyone who like has anxiety because I was kind of feeling that at the start of this. But now like going into the garden, you know, you're like, I'm like plucking little sprouts because I know that the ones that are coming up might be weeds. (laughs) So it's just like tending to it. And yeah, it's like very zen. Definitely. Everyone should do it. Induces peace and calm. I've heard it been said before that one who works with the land is never poor. That's absolutely amazing. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the show and giving us some inspiration so we can get out there and plant a garden of our own. She's Vanessa Bowen, a brand new gardener. Thanks again. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good day. You too. This is your NM Government. I'm your host, Kaliole Colonna. Every weekday, we're covering the way the virus and health measures are impacting people differently around the state. Stay tuned in weeknights at 7.30 p.m.
My next guest is here to join me to talk about how food is getting to those who are in extreme need. I'd like to welcome Mateo Carrasco to the show. He is an implementer at the Urban Agriculture Project, and he's also a food justice organizer with the Southwest Organizing Project, SWAP. Mateo, thanks for being with me, my friend. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Tell us about the Urban Agriculture Project. Right. The Urban Agriculture Project came out of an idea. There was an empty lot about, oh, I want to say in the northeast side of Albuquerque that came under ownership of Bernalillo County. Started working on it, figuring out what the community wanted around it. and From there bloomed a whole project with now nine different sites that all focus from like community gardens to school gardens. It's a pretty amazing project. Okay, so this is all taking place in basically the international district, right? Yeah, yeah. So not all of the sites are inside of it. About six out of the nine are currently residing inside of the international district. So the majority of the resources that we're putting into this project are going directly into the ID. Okay. Now, speaking about the international district, tell me about the historical problems they've had with accessing health and fresh food. I mean, you think about the levels of poverty that you see there, who has access to transportation, who can get themselves to different kinds of supermarkets, how many supermarkets are there. You got the big Walmart that's there. How many people actually want to be going to Walmart to be getting their food? Do they have access to fresh organic food? There's a ton of different barriers that we see in the ID that keep people from getting access to fresh, affordable, and nutritious food, right? And I want to really emphasize that when we talk about organic food, a lot of times it's not necessarily accessible to the majority of the populace, right? You have to spend a pretty penny if you're going to a farmer's market because, I mean, that's the cost of food. So with our plan and our project, we have a lot of different sites where, granted, some do sell their food, but for the most part, we give away a lot of the food that we have so that we can get food in people's mouths. You know, and just real quick, I think another big thing is that we work a lot with young people, and we like to think that if we're investing in the health of our young people through generations, it'll it'll come back around. Tell me, how does the pandemic that we're in heighten the need for food justice work like the work you're doing? For me, when I think about essential workers, a lot of times we see health workers that are put at the very forefront, which, you know, reasonably is is understandable. But for so long, we have people that are working in food industries that aren't necessarily seen as something that one wants to aspire to be when they grow up. And lo and behold, the people that are stocking the shelves and the people that are providing us our food in the fields, they're the people that are keeping our country together, right? If we were to see our food supply all of a sudden go under, what would that mean for our society, right? And you realize if it wasn't for these these folks that are out here every single day that are continuing to grow our food without access to PPEs, our society would look much different now than it than it does. Well, there's people who are, you know, growing things now who've been growing stuff for a while or maybe for the first time they're trying it out now that we're staying at home. Any any tips for people trying to grow food for themselves? Man, that's a good question. You know, there was a little while in my life where I thought you had to have the best soil. You had to have the best tools. You had to have the best organic, beautiful seeds and all of these things that you need. And I realized it was a little, you know, acting a little bit like a gatekeeper, right? If you have access to seeds and you have the land and you have water, obviously there's a lot of different methods and techniques that will come with time. But just putting the seed in the ground is the first step in, in terms of growing food. It's the first step in resisting a larger, you know, larger institutions that keep us from having access to things that are sacred as seed and our own food. All right. Thanks again for coming on to the show and giving us some tips and for getting your hands dirty and doing the good work that we all need. He's Mateo Carrasco. He is with Urban Agriculture Project and the Food Justice with the Southwest Organizing Project, or SWAP. Thanks again, my friend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Plant some seeds. 
I'd like to welcome Maya Huel Garza. She is with the Agricultura Network. Thank you so much for being with me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Some folks may be struggling with food access. Do you have recommendations about food to boost our health and immunity? Maybe if we also have to stretch a dollar as well. Cooking for Health, we actually just established a YouTube channel. And for that very reason, to be uploading accessible, easy, affordable recipes could be useful for people during this time. For the month of April, our theme has plant-based protein. We are hoping to, in one of our future themes, actually focus on immune-boosting foods. Okay. Be on the lookout for that. All right. Can you give me any tips, any foods that people may not think immediately of that will go a long way? Definitely. So you can just throw on a pot of any sort of of your choice, beans or lentils or chickpeas, anything that you like, anything that you have on hand. And with that pot of legume of your choice, you can make so many different recipes with it. Something that is available to our community are food pantries. Mm-hmm. You know, there's several food pantries throughout the community where you can go and get a box of food. And I myself have been something that is really common in those kind of like food distributions. Yeah. Is dry goods, dry beans. Rice and, and stuff. So when our stay at home order started, before I was going to go out and shop for, you know, essential foods, I thought I really need to see what I have on hand. Mm-hmm. I'm using my pantry and I'm like, oh, look, I have all of these dry beans. And it was like, you know, I had, I think, like lentils and red beans and white beans and stuff like that. And yeah. so I decided, let me go with the great white northern beans. And with that pot of beans, we created a recipe for a protein patty made out of the beans. And so that recipe is, uh, will be up on our YouTube channel. And it's a protein patty that you can use in place of a burger patty or it can be used in place of a hash brown or even a pound cake. So it's something um, that is super easy and um, super simple. Eat those same beans in a smoothie. So, you know, you can definitely stretch just a pound of any kind of legume, and you can use in so many different recipes for different dishes throughout the day or throughout your week. Okay. Tell me about the food access efforts that are happening in the South Valley. We at Agricultura Network are still in full force working with the farmers to provide local organic produce to the community. And so we have a CSA program right now that we're still providing to schools. But in addition to that, I heard that they're going to be starting a mobile farmer's market. Well, we actually already have the uh, mobile farmer's market, but this one is going to be in place of our regular seasonal farmer's market. Okay. And then, of course, just all of the different food distribution sites that are available throughout the city as well. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming onto the show, giving us some tips and some great recipes and different ways to think about food. She's Mayuel Garza. She's with the Agricultura Network here in Albuquerque. Thanks again for being with me. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. Now with me is Erin Garrison. She's the executive director of Food is Free Albuquerque. Erin, thanks for being with me today. 
thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. We appreciate having you. So tell us about Food is Free Albuquerque. Food is Free Albuquerque started just as a gleaning operation. We go out and we harvest unused fruits and vegetables from backyard growers or local farmers if they need help moving their excess produce and we give it away in the city. We believe that fresh food is a human right. Since six years ago, we've grown and we have lots of programs to support that belief. Mm -hmm. Now, you talked about the idea that fresh food is a human right and people might not be thinking about it that way already. I think more people are now. Hopefully with Mm -hmm. this pandemic, talk about how this is tied into health and equity. Apricots are one of my favorites to use as this example, because before being part of this group, I never went and bought apricots. You know, I'd see them in the store, but it was like six of them and they were expensive. Mm -hmm. So I, I would never buy them. Now, every summer, we go harvest many hundreds of pounds of apricots, and it's one of the favorites that we give out, and people are so excited to have apricots. Here's this little fruit that's so sweet and so delicious, but not everybody has access to it, and it's something that here in Albuquerque, these trees do really well here, and so they're all over the place. The fact is, is just not everybody has access to the same food. Now talk about that. What are the barriers to people having access to fresh food? You know, if you're on a limited income, you know, you've got to make choices at the grocery store. Sometimes the amount that's in your grocery budget that you have available almost makes those decisions for you. So sometimes it's easier to purchase something frozen because it's going to last longer. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Um, as As a young person growing up, I lived the starving artist lifestyle. And yeah, I recognized that very early on in feeding myself, having to make certain choices besides what you're craving and what actually will last. Tell me about how the COVID-19 pandemic shaping your thinking about food is free and what you all are doing. Oh, (laughs) it definitely shook us up Mm. when everything shut down. You know, we shut down with it. And I personally felt a lot of fear and uncertainty for my family, for my friends, for my community. And I didn't really know what direction to go. Myself and my family started building garden boxes in my garage to give away. You know, I thought that if we could provide families with the box, the seeds, the dirt, and the ability to just grow and put your hands in the dirt and feel some kind of control right in front of you, Mm -hmm. you know, because I know that that made me feel really good community really liked that idea. And so that's pretty much what we're doing right now is we are trying to provide as many families as we can with access, you know, to growing. We provide boxes, pots, seeds, plants, soil, you know, just really put that message out there that we're going to get through this together and we can really reach out and take care of one another even while we're physically distanced. Yeah, making everybody self-sufficient. And that's something that I think a lot more people are recognizing and looking Mm -hmm. to engage in themselves. She is Erin Garrison, Executive Director of Food is Free Albuquerque. Thanks again for everything you're doing and thanks for being with me. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Tomorrow, we look into the lives of frontline hospital workers during the time of COVID-19. Many of us have a newfound appreciation for them that's sure to grow after you hear their stories. Tomorrow on YNMG at 7.30 p.m.
resources, resources, resources. Find a full list of the resources we talk about on each episode and opportunities to donate or help online at bit.ly slash ynmghub. Volunteer with the Department of Aging and Long-Term Services by heading to nmaging.state.nm.us or call 800-432-2080. Get information on community gardens? Head to homegrownnewmexico.wordpress.com. Discover the good work being done at the Southwest Organizing Project by heading to swop.net. To help out the International District's Urban Agricultural Project, head to their website, bccurbanag.com. To donate your time, money, or goods at the Roadrunner Food Bank, head to rrfb.org. For more info on Food is Free, head to fifabq.org. And check out agricultura.org to learn more about the Agricultura Network. Your New Mexico government is executive produced by Marisa DeMarco. It's produced by yours truly. News update by Marisa DeMarco. Thanks to Bryce Dix on the editing. Theme music by Pope. Yes, yes, y'all. Hear us all week long on KUNM's Airwaves at 7.30 p.m. Online, find the show on KUNM.org or subscribe anywhere, anywhere, anywhere you get your podcasts. Your New Mexico government is a collaboration between KUNN, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our coverage is provided in part by the Thornburg Foundation, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, the New Mexico Local News Fund, and KUNN listeners like you. For everyone here at Your New Mexico government, I'm Khalil A. Colonna. Thanks for listening.